This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Let Alliance in Trust help you plan for what's next. Visit aewealth.com or call 805-371-8020 to learn more. All right. Hey, thank you for joining us for part two of my discussion with Jorge Ventura. We get into it. We are all over the place. We have fun. I talk way too much. He interviews me for, I think, half of it. And uh, we get into some stuff that I think we might turn into some bonus content. Also, don't forget to support California Young Artists Symphony. You can go and buy tickets for their event on February 5th at 7 p.m. at cyasymphony.org. Now I know why the working class issues never get told on corporate news, because you guys can't relate to anyone in the working class. Everyone that works up here in the news is making a lot of money. Their their favorite restaurants never close down. All their kids go to private school, so they don't know what it to feels to have your kid staring at it t- 10 hours on a, on a laptop. So I'm like, that's why these stories never even make it to corporate news. It was kind of like, oh, it's all tied in. And then also when I did my interview, like I, just, I was just realizing a lot of stuff, like why a lot of this working class of won't make it on the news. Even my internship, it's an unpaid internship. Like how many kids like from a working class background could go to D.C. for three months on an unpaid internship and like afford to st- not only stay in D.C., but then like you also have to be really good at the internship to even get the job. It was just like I found out like all oh, wait journalism is very gay it's a lot of gatekeepers now yeah. and that's why the real stories never make it on corporate media i wanted like the few people that could break in like from immigrant parents yeah. working class you know so so many of those journalists are, are fabulously wealthy yeah. you know come from incredibly privileged backgrounds pretend that they don't yeah. for, for street cred. Yeah. yeah, they pretend like there's some communists and like they fought against the system when like, dude, you've been propped up by the system. Like one of my favorite things was during the Black Lives Matter riots where like people would always tweet like the revolution won't be televised. I'm like, you, you're being financed by Amazon. Like Kamala Harris is bailing, bailing out the, you know, the rioters. Like yeah. I, the whole system is backing you. Yeah, losers. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's good to laugh about it now. But um Man, wow, yeah, what a big sigh up. And for me, it was interesting because I, you know, the majority of the country, they're sitting back and maybe watching it, um, you know, unfold. I was very lucky that I got to be on the front lines of yeah. it and to see history unfold, um, to see the news and how the propaganda worked. Like I yeah. was just learning so much. Um, well, what what you guys were doing on the ground was saving lives too. I mean, oh, you look at you. you look at Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, Kyle Rittenhouse is a perfect example of that. Without those videos of him defending himself as he did, oh right, he'd be in jail right now. For I mean, life. you know, right now everybody's you know this guy's a murderer online. You go on Twitter threads, and you know that's all they can say. Um, and that was only like a few of us reporters. I was, my, I mean, I was on the ground for Richie McGinnis on Daily Caller, Shelby Telcop, BG on the scene, Julio Rosas, um, Drew heroes. Hernandez with, yeah. with with TPSA, Kaylin uh, as also with TPSA. It was just six, seven guys with the cell phone, and and I remember I went off, uh, went to uh, I went on Fox News after this, and I wanted to make the point to the national audience. I said. Obviously, look, this is a big win for self-defense and college. It's all good. I'm not taking any, way for any of that. The big win is actually more for independent media. Yeah. Because independent media, six, seven guys with cell phones beat out the f- massive amount of corporate uh, press and uh, big tech. I mean, I remember, if you remember, Bryce, during that time, you couldn't even tweet, like, free Rittenhouse because they would just ban, like, Facebook wouldn't even allow the hashtag. So you had... Uh, big tech working with with the corporate media, uh, just kind of flooding out this government. narrative and the government. And I would, and I one of my favorite moments was when the trial happened, was to go on Twitter and a bunch of leftists would go, "Oh, I'm barely finding out today that he didn't kill any black people." I'm like, <laughs> we've been saying it's been like that for a whole year, but that's how good. 
propaganda works. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it does work. I mean, it, it does work because the average person, I mean, look, I, I go on, you know, Twitter and, and suffer that brain damage every day so that other people don't have to because <laughs> I want to know what's up, right. what's up, what's happening, right? And, uh, and our I'll, life is news. So it's a delight, you know. Yeah, and I, I want to be, you know, informed. And that's where you see things bubbling up, you know, and and they play whack-a-mole, you know, constantly with things that they don't want to. You know, it's, it's improved to a certain extent, you know, since uh, Elon Musk and, you know, clearly he uh, did great work revealing how much of that was government involved um you know banning and that propaganda. made me realize how much they fear charlie kirk yeah yeah that's it like that to me was like i know a lot of people on the right um they like to sometimes poke fun at him and stuff at the end of the day like he's make like he's such a big factor that twitter was literally scared of this guy and was like limiting his growth and engagement and like had him on yep. some like list i yep. mean yeah, no, Incredible uh, the, stuff. the great, the great and powerful Charlie Kirk, man, I mean, he's making a difference. That's that. I mean, oh my gosh. Um, wow. But I mean, I mean, for you, Bryce, I mean, it, it also must have been a crazy experience because you're seeing, I mean, you've been, you've been alive longer. So you've been seeing, you got to at least see um, real traditional media, right? When it was like Walter Cronkite and it was like yeah. legit. And then you started to see it just changed year, you know, and then yeah, now I was on, here. you know, I was more on the, you know, tail end of that growing yeah. up. Right. But, but growing up that the idea that, you know, you got, you got the news, right. And the news is, you know, giving you, you know, just basic information, you know, here, we are telling you what's happening in the world today. Now it was always manipulating us yeah. always. And, and the uh, intelligence services and all that stuff were always involved, but it wasn't as overt, you know, and it wasn't as skewed in the direction of of true anti-American values. And that's true. Truly, yeah, yeah. its aim was not necessarily to transform um, our country or destroy our sovereignty. Um, but it it was recognized that, hey, this is a powerful tool that we can use. And then, you know, then the more nefarious actors or more of the um, intent to create this, you know, more globalist uh, environment. Because there was a switch right from like primetime news that was like, you turn on, it's just yeah. the anchor, tell, you know, tells you the news, whatever. Yeah, it, and then it went from like opinion-aided prime time and i think that's when the division started on the yes, left and right. as soon as they started like editorializing in real that's time what it was. you know and and the personalities themselves started editorializing and started you know uh, uh spouting uh, you know their ideas as fact uh you know rather than opinion you know that that's when it started to transform and i think i you know i I, I wonder from time to time how much of it was like them recognizing, oh, yeah, we could totally use this to, you know, um, uh, to real nefarious aims versus people just like getting a little bit more liberal with their responsibilities. Because before there was a code with journalism right. to a certain extent, you know, and so how much of it came from the universities teaching journalism a different way and you know and right. teaching it as advocate as you know hey let's be activists now i don't know exactly you know and in, in journalism it used to be because i you know obviously i studied it's what i'm doing but um it used to be the profession of like really working class people like yeah. you, you you know you join it you want to like to take down banks and powerful people then little by little it became this profession where like almost like only the rich uh, kids are allowed to do it because their parents could just, I mean, provide that. And I think it was probably it. all of that yeah. that created these conditions, you know? And, and I mean, man, the, the world is given to disorder or entropy. You know, that's like more of the natural state, you know, holding things together, you know, in order is, you know, God's vision for things. That's what he does with our very, um, you know, existence, right? You know, he's holding our molecules together. Right. Um, and and the uh, you know evil wants to take it all apart, and so I think it started to just naturally trend in that when we abandoned our you know very kind of deep Judeo Christian values in our culture. You know, then it just wait, became wait, okay to just do you know whatever. What would you say when that happened, Bryce? Like early two thousands, it was just like just sexual liberation, and it just kind of went to this like 
I don't know, right? How did it happen right there with the culture? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I, um, I, yeah, I think it was you know post, uh, you know, kind of the nineties. Yeah, uh, you know, I graduated in ninety two from high school, and um, I was an early adopter of Rush Limbaugh and that, yeah, Dennis yeah, Prager yeah, you guys, you and things like that. that. Yeah. And so I, you know, I grew up, uh, and I was unusual as a kid because right. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. I thought he was, I thought he was great. Like his, you know, I, I'll never forget uh, somebody. Somebody at I had an office job, uh, literally in in the insurance business, where I was literally like highlighting applications to make it easier for you know people to know where to sign. You know, it was like real dumb work when I was sixteen. You know, like you know, and so I had and to you listen to Rush. I had to listen to something. You know, and so I was you know AM six forty. You know, listening to the radio as I was doing this mindless you know just clerical work, uh, filing things and stuff like that. So I your, just had your to friends play. never teased. Like, why are you into politics? Like, I, you know, I was a wrestler, bro. Who's going to tease me, man? That's true. You want to get dumped true. on your head? No, um, <laughs> no. Um, I would, be, I would more just my friends would be annoyed, right? You're right. Like, oh, okay, oh. whatever, man. You know, so I'm, I'm chasing chicks and you know playing football or whatever. You know, me, I was, I was kind of into it. You know, and then I would, and then I had uh, jobs where I was driving a lot. You know, oh, like so you were tuned traveling in, you know? sales guy. So I had the radio on. It makes me aggravated to listen to music driving. You know, like I just have never been. I'm like an intentional music listener. If I'm listening to music, I'm listening, listening to, to music. Yeah. So for it to be just background, I don't like. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bryce to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Bryce to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text Bryce to 989898 today. But listening to talk radio, I could kind of dip in and out in my thoughts. I could hear that's where the right at that time really had an advantage on the left. The left didn't have anyone on talk radio that was changing minds because you had Rush. Yeah, Dennis Prager came into the game. Larry Elder was a huge part of that. Yeah, like, yeah. And I was listening to all those guys, Michael Medved. Gee, yeah. I was listening to everybody. So driving around, I was kind of listening to the, you know, to the whole run. You know, uh, day I wonder after why. Day. I wonder why on the other side they, they never just had. That person that was really good on radio for Well, because them. their ideas are terrible. I mean, honestly, their ideas are based in emotion, okay? And they're only about an inch deep, okay? Now, their strategies are pretty deep in terms of, like, their Marxist philosophy and how they're going to go about it and the Saul Alinsky-like rules for radicals. Here's how we're going to, you know, disrupt the sh- social order. Like, that's kind of deep. But the ideas themselves, save the whales. Oh, well, that sounds really good. But yes, then when, yeah. you, when you start to go into, well, what does that mean? And how do you do that? If you go into specific policy, it doesn't work. That's why they have to shut down debate on our side. I mean, that's why they have to, you know, say, oh, you're filled with hate. When I say things like, hey, it's evil to tell kids that uh, happiness lies on the other side of puberty blockers or double mastectomies. You know, that's that's wicked and that's evil. Oh, Bryce is filled with hate. He hates our trans kids. No, I do not. I actually love them more than you do who want to create um, a, a horrific yeah, life going forward for them. You want to have them slaved to a medical system for the rest of their lives. You know, you should be telling them that, that they're made beautiful that, just that, as they that are. That one I don't understand how it got to like a left and right debate. I'm like, that just should be like, I yeah. don't know, like the like. That's, that's why just, I'm telling you, normal people's party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's you're kick, right. let's kick the weirdos to the curb. Can, that, can anybody agree on that? Yeah, I don't, I don't get how that one got framed as like a conservative. It's like, dude, I don't. You talk to like parents, a lot of them don't even care for politics. Like the mother, a lot of them are soccer moms. They just don't want puberty blockers offered offered to their thirteen year old daughters at a school without their consent. Without, yeah, I, I mean, mean yeah, yeah, that's a huge deal. I it's, mean, that's happening around the country. I mean, you know, we got we got places in the in the United States. Canada is leading us in this, where geez. you could have your kids potentially taken away from you. Yep. 
if if you don't you know uh, have positive gender affirming care as your primary order of business when they come to you and tell them that they're confused. We have classrooms right now that are being reported to us where nearly fifty percent of the kids are claiming to be non-binary. <laughs> no, it's, it's not because we've created a safe space. Okay, because we're just lying to this next generation. We're lying to them and we are confusing them intentionally. We are obscuring uh, the differences between men and women. We're doing all kinds of terrible things. So the reason, um, you know, what were they going to go on uh, the radio like Rush Limbaugh and and, you know, be able to sell those ideas back in the day? No. But what was interesting is Rush Limbaugh was saying all that's happening today he was saying was going to be happening. He was he was foreshadowing. He was going, this is where they're taking this. Because he knew, again, that it ends in disorder. And that's what we're seeing right now manifesting itself in all of these areas. It's interesting to, for me, Bryce, I have a lot of friends, um, you know, maybe five years ago, they had the kind of libertarian mindset where it's like, hey, as long as like you're not like damaging me or like hurting my family, like you do you, right? Like you can marry who who you want, like as long as you're not infringing on my rights or my whatever, do you? Yeah. And now that I um now we're looking at like this whole thing with the trains, they um put it in the education. A lot of those same friends that I speak to are like, man, well the slippery our mindset slope. hurt us. Actually, he said having that mindset of like, hey man, just do you, like we'll do us, yeah. like as long as you're not like infringing on my rights, it's all good. He's like because of us having that mindset, we're actually, this is, yeah, we're here sl- now. The slippery slope is a thing. The slippery slope really is a thing. And those people, you know, we, we need to acknowledge we're right. I imagine you never had that mindset, right? I, I, or, um, or Well, how, okay. To a certain extent. Right. Right. So I, I have a little bit more of a libertarian bent to me. Because okay? I had that mindset too. Yeah. Now, for me, um, I... I um, and, and some of this stuff I don't think now, but I was a little right, bit right. more. I mean, naturally, I'm the live and let live. Yeah. But that's a personal responsibility thing. Okay. And I was like that too. Yeah. So and I, I and I and I know, agree with that for the most part. Okay. But what I didn't but what I thought was that like you and I, if we have difference in these opinions, I didn't you I was thinking that you were gonna go, okay, cool. I can do my own thing. Right. All right, no problem. Not that you were going to come after my kids and there tell my kids that, that um, oh, no, my lifestyle should be celebrated. It should be endorsed. It should be affirmed it, um, as as all perfect, all right, good for society. And not only should it all, all you know, be that, but you should tell me that ki- that men can't get pregnant. You know, I mean, then we're, yeah, we got yeah, to this and, point. And, and Matt Walsh, I've said this on the show a bunch of times, but he says it brilliantly. They they asked for um uh, tolerance. Then they then they said, "Oh no! Now you have to do acceptance. Then you have to do celebration, and then you have to do participation. And the participation is what we're in now, where you have to, um, you know, alter the language and 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 say that men can get pregnant, and yeah, oh yeah, men have vaginas, and all of that sort of stuff has to be the thing now. That's what they ultimately uh, pushed for when it was tolerance." Okay, hey, listen, I want I want the Lord to convict you, not me. I'm not the judge. I want the Lord to convict right. you. I'm going to be nice and loving to you, which, by the way, I mean, I've got friends in all kinds of different lifestyles Same here. that I care about, that I love, that I pray about, that, that you know, I, I mean, there's, there's nobody, um, uh, well, I think so, but uh, there's nobody that's going to say that I mistreated, you know, any individual in that space, you know, because, uh, who I know, you know? Now, I will attack the ideology yep. because the ideology is destructive. The individual I love, I want to care for, I want to take, uh, I, I want I want them to get help. I don't want them to be lied to. Wow. You, you know, I, it was a couple months ago, Bryce, I was in Pasadena, uh, not Pasadena, I was um, near Orange County and I went uh, to cover a protest. Um, and it was about, uh, it was at a kind of like a doctor's association thing and, and uh I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, Billboard Chris, who does like, he kind of wears like this big signs of like debating parents who are like are into this whole trans thing and like yeah, are okay with people. With yeah. yeah, he's he's a good guy. I'll refer you to his work. So I went down there to cover the protests, and I actually ended up and I could really relate to her because she's Salvadorian, and I'm you know that's my background as well. Her name is Abigail Martinez, and she's a Salvadorian mom from Los Angeles, California. She's an immigrant from El Salvador, single mother. 
she has a daughter that obviously is going to public school. Yeah. The daughter um, is then getting fed from her, um, you know, her, her daughter's going through the new more teenage girl. Where, like, you're trying yeah. to find your identity. You know, it's just normal stuff. It's it's tough for them, by the way. Her, her social group moves in and says, you're feeling like this because you're really like a boy. They, they just really convince her. Behind her back... She starts to get puberty blockers. Yeah. The mom finds out, Abigail starts to find out, and obviously disagrees with it, says, you do not need puberty blockers. You're not okay. The daughter raises that issue with friends. I don't know the, how, how the, the, the whole context of the story. Heritage actually did a good job covering the full scope of it and uh, Daily Signal. They then get the, you know, involved like counselors, you know, school counselors, social services. The state of California then comes in, takes the daughter away from Abigail. Yeah. Puts her in like this halfway house situation. Six months later, that daughter uh, kneels in front of a train and killed herself yeah. and was founded Horrific. in pieces because of this whole movement, this whole fake trains. This is where you are. P- giving kids period blockers is insane at that age, right? And it was a moment actually, right? So I'm covering this protest. Abigail's getting up to speak about her daughter's story. You know, she's crying. And on the other side, you have these white feminists purple hair blue hair shouting at this hispanic lady how she's this bigot and it was just like that's how you know propaganda works right yeah the side that supposedly cares about black and brown people i mean look 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 what what, what the state of california did to her daughter it's yeah or is supposedly cares about children right because you know a lot of these people i mean we have a a guy in our local community here who's really a despicable uh person he was ripping into online um chloe cole an oh, 18 year old she girl. She was there. She was at that yeah, protest. He was, yep, he was ripping. Her. He was ripping into her, telling her, um, you know, my wife and I, we've been at this for a long time, little girl. You know, I'll, I'll devastate you, kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, that's who these people are. Um, you, you listen to Chloe Cole's story, or you listen to any of the detransitioners, it's and I've interviewed a bunch of them. I've talked to a bunch of them. Um, you know, some of them are still uh, going to be coming on this show from time to time. Um, it's heartbreaking, and almost all of them have that same kind of thread where where their peer group i have no idea what that was um remember our uh, our tables flexing um anyway it's the new table it's possessed uh the uh, peer group drew them uh into uh that world and said that okay all of the things that you are feeling you know, it's it's this way so you know c- come on in the water's fine this is going to solve all of your problems for a year or two, they're thrilled because they're given this adulation. All of a sudden, they're popular, you know, so they get pulled in. That's when the studies are done, by the way. Hey, do you regret transitioning? Oh, no, it's fantastic. Yep. You know, in those first few months, that first year, the honeymoon period, after that, five, six, seven years later, yep. you know, they they all of their problems still exist. And now they it's have worse more now. problems. Yeah. yeah, now they're, uh, they, they, don't have sexual function. They can't, you know, can't experience, you know, fulfilling life in that way. They are having now medical issues. Their bodies aren't working. They are now a slave to, you know, the me- medical procedures for the rest of their life. What was heartbreaking when I spoke to Chloe was that she said that I don't know if I could actually breastfeed my child now yeah. and have that like mom, that bond, that bond. And it's extremely heartbreaking what you know what they've been lying to the adults that play a huge role in that like that it's just incredible i think gavin yeah. newsom just introduced legislation where he's going to make it easier yeah you know if you so oh, this is going to be yeah the, so if a you're sanctuary like, state sanctuary state for this stuff um also gavin newsom is preparing for our 2024 presidential run yeah. but we'll, that's another that's another subject but that to me i mean just that the brainwashing on that topic alone is just and i don't know how like once again like i just don't know where this got framed as like a of a conservative issue like when i spoke to abigail martinez she's not yeah. like a right-wing republican it, she's an immigrant from el salvador yeah. single mother i mean she fits into that it, it, class that the democrats are supposed to protect it's the same so i i think because it is uh, nihilistic I think because it destroys family. I think because it also reduces population. I think because of all of these factors, it is one of these, um, you know, areas of evil that support some of the long-term views and visions of, you know, I, I believe we're in a spiritual battle. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I believe that that you know there is a demonic spirit to this. I think that that 
in in and of itself explains a lot as to why it's this you know it's it's become this you know tribal affiliation that that you know totally um, lays in and invests in that. Then you but you look at that with all of these matters. You know the uh, the Ukraine and Russia. We are unable to say that Zelensky's a bad guy. We are unable to say at the same time that oh yeah, but so is Putin, right? <laughs> And we don't want to be in an endless war. And now you can't the, say that now. You can't. Right? You're, you're a Putin puppet now. For I'm, a, saying, I'm, yeah, I'm this, a puppet. Clearly, the church I mean, is this, backed by Putin. This show, <laughs> I'd like to thank my sponsor, uh, yeah. Vladimir Putin. <laughs> no, I mean you can't. But you cannot look at this and go, "Hey, this is bad for us to be in a war um, which has no real resolution." I mean, what you know? What's the win here? What's the right. outcome? What's the goal? Um, you know, we. Are we going to continue on into World War Three? We just sent them tanks. Uh, I mean, you know, what you know, what's up? You know, what? Uh, it's a complicated geopolitical issue that should have reasonable again the normal people's party right. look at and say, all right, you know, there's some issues here. How do we how do we address it as a community? For the Alliance Interest family, finances in their blood. I grew up with them and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now, even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance in Trust help you to plan for what's next. Visit aewealth.com or call 805-371-8020 to learn more. That that that's one that you can't even uh yeah you can't even talk about like I said I come from the generation we were lied to about the Iraq war so now any war yeah you know we do I just can't hop on board and I do my full on research and then when I research when I did my research on Ukraine and Russia and just found out like wow and we are the bad guys on this one it's like if uh it's like if Russia made in a military alliance agreement with Mexico it's like what would our, what would our reaction be to that um, but the media. Uh, both sides actually media are in uh, in lockstep with this one yep. in our pro war. If you actually, I highly encourage the audience look back at New York Times coverage of uh, the Iraq War. It's both media parties coming together as well yep. in lockstep, and this is that narrative. You can't break out of it because you'll be labeled as a Putin puppet and all the all the things. So you just yeah, you got to hop on board. One of the yeah. more brilliant videos is that video of Alex Stein, who's in front of the White House oh. and he's like trolling the Ukraine guy. I'm gonna have it's him like, on a show. Yeah, it's like a perfect. Uh, it's like a perfect example of like how those people think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, follow the money. Okay. You know, there's a, there's definitely a massive, you know, war, uh, military war industrial complex uh, that, that really thrives when there yep. is a continuous conflict, they can um, plan, uh, you know, for, for great returns and, and they can give positive, positive, <laughs> positive returns to their shareholders. I mean, look at this guys, we just crafted and engineered a war that's going to at least go for 13 years. I mean, look at all of this, you know, and then, uh, you know, you read op from like mainstream media and they're all just like giddy about getting into like world war three like if this is like some type of joke Dude. um maybe for them because like they're they're not gonna have their their sons and daughters in it but it's just like it's it's just ridiculous the propaganda the pro-war machine um in the united states it's you know they 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 do such a good job yeah. you never hear the other side of it um that's why I think Tucker Carlson takes a very brave stance with what he's doing because he differs from a lot of people on maybe Fox and stuff on this issue. Um, but it's just one of those issues where if you're not in lockman agreement of going into World War III and having yeah. middle-class Americans die for another country, then all of a sudden you're like some foreign actor or something. You're like backed by people. Yeah, like, you want to... Uh, you want. Uh, I get a bunch of unfollows for like stuff I post on Ukraine. People post like, hey, Jorge, you're great on the border, but you suck on this issue. I'm like, dude, just unfollow me then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Okay, well, listen, man, you did an excellent job being a journalist and a reporter and Thank you got you. me to talk way too much <laughs> but this is your show bro um uh let's let's get to the border 
because yes, um, you know you you and I both you know done some stuff down there, and um, you have been you know embedded for quite some time in different areas of the border, but also, man, you um, you, you did a great documentary. So let's plug that. But uh, but let's talk about the desert cities and some of the stuff that I find terrifying, which is we have you know cartel interests on our soil and in charge of a lot of stuff. Um, and, and they're a parallel government uh, down there and we are not in control of our border. And so I'd love to, you know, get, you know, get your thoughts and have you talk about that. Oh yeah. So thanks Bryce. So the documentary is called a uh, cartelville uh, USA. You could find it on carteldoc.com. And this issue is to me is one of the more underreported, more insane stories that are happening because it's in the United States. Um, I was working the border late 2021, and I met Congressman Mike Garcia at that time, yeah. who was a Republican. Uh, I think he's District 27 now because they re- they redid his district. He was originally District 25 when I met him, which in, in, uh, had my community in Palm Dino Valley. Yeah. So I meet the congressman, and I said, "Hey, Congressman Garcia, like I'm, like why are you at the South Texas border? Like you're like the only representative from California." I wasn't saying that's a bad thing. I was just curious of like. Yeah. You know, why is this politician from California here in South Texas? Like, actually caring about the border. You don't ever see that. And the congressman right away was like, Jorge, we got a cartel problem back in Andela Valley. And I yeah. said, what? And he said, yeah, um, huge illegal marijuana operations controlled by Mexican cartels. He starts telling me all these stories, people getting shot, the water stolen. And I thought, there's no way this could be real. It's something like out of a movie. I'm like, there's no way. And credit to the congressman. He invited me to two town hall meetings. I believe I met him around May, June, and I the first town hall meeting that he wanted me to attend, were, both of them were in August. So I said, okay, I'll be there. So I went to the first town hall meeting. It was uh, it was in Acton, California. So from where we are right now, Bryce, Acton, I think is a good hour mm-hmm. drive into the high desert. So I go to this town hall meeting, and it felt like the whole town of Acton was there because like it was people were waiting outside. I go in there, and... You know, um, the residents are sharing these stories to the law enforcement saying Mexican nationals stealing water from them, shooting at them, um, them discovering homicide. But I mean, it was just stories that you just like, like I said, like you, you couldn't believe that were that were happening. And um, and I was just like I had my jaw to the floor. I just couldn't believe like the stories that I was hearing, especially with the water theft. Uh, the shootings, um, and I knew a little bit about this issue because when I was in college, I heard of a podcast with uh, his name is John Norris, who was an ex. Uh, he used to work with California Fishing Game, and John Norris was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And John Norris discovered the first publicly the first uh, cartel grow operation in 2006. This is actually when the operations were in uh, the California National uh, yeah. Public Forest. So he stumbled on one. He had his partner shot. It was his whole deal. Super dangerous for those guys. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize what they actually go through. And they're oh, alone. They're, there's, they're and, alone out there a lot of times. And they're severely underpaid. Yeah. Cal Fisher game guys, I have yeah. a huge amount of credit for them. They're severely underpaid. So I knew a little bit about the issue, but it's a lot different when you hear it from actual residents and, and it's in your hometown. So immediately after that, I got on the phone. I called the Daily Caller. My editor said, I need you to send me my producer. We're going to do a full investigative documentary on this. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And and they were all on board. I started looking at all the local coverage of this. And anything. the things that I was only finding was that like, when local reporters would would talk about the illegal marijuana grows, they're always in a helicopter. You know, They're away from the, from the issue. I said, no. Like that's that's never been our style. I'm like we're gonna get nitty gritty. We're gonna get deep in there. And credit to the residents, um, because at to that point, no resident had agreed to go on local camera anything and talk about these issues. And I earned their trust. And then we just started hitting it. So uh, summer 2021, I'm on the ground. I'm everywhere. I'm in a uh, deep Nina, California, East Lancaster, uh, Acton. We're I mean just from this location, we're literally like only two hours away from all this stuff. And, you know, we start going out there. We're, first, we start documenting the resident testimony. So residents are telling us about getting shot, um, the open threats, the shutdown rows. Um, there was actually a mother that we interviewed that, like, she was threatened by Mexican nationals that, like, the month before, they killed somebody out there. And they actually took a picture of the body. And when this mother was encountered by the, these Mexican nationals, they showed her the body and said, this will be you in a month if you come back in this area. And they told her that they've already done research on the family. So they said, we know that you have a special needs son. We know what time your husband works. 
so we started wow. collect, collecting these powerful stories. And then after that, the residents would be like, hey, if you want, we could take you out to these massive illegal groves. So we, we took a drone team out there. And basically in the middle of the day, this was actually the most dangerous part of the documentary was we would drive out to these illegal marijuana operations. Now, an illegal marijuana operation, just for the audience to get some context, um, these could be on properties that have been bought or what we call squatting. So out there in the desert, you can right. literally just set up. And what they'll do is, um, let's say let's say they buy a property, they'll start bringing in hoop houses to get that developed. They'll get water lines. Um, they'll start, I mean, pushing massive amounts of water with water trucks hauling water. And um, just, you know, they'll kind of get the infrastructure and then start growing these marijuana operations. Now, marijuana operations could run, they could be really small. They could be a couple hundred plants till some of the big ones we found are like hundreds of thousands to like million of, of plants. Yeah, um, wow. So we start learning about the operations. We start actually going out doing the drone work. So we will we fly them over um, in the middle of the day. The biggest one that we discovered was literally on the LA County San Bernardino County line out there in Eastside Lancaster. I think we found one, and it was multiple acres. Um, I always make the joke about it now. I said the operation was so big you would have thought Jeff Bezos and Amazon were running. I mean, it was hundreds of greenhouses, millions of plants. I mean, I think they're yielding in between. Two million, three million dollars of profit each grow. Multiple Mexican nationals on that property armed. I mean, these guys are armed to the T in the desert. Um, one thing too, people forget is in the desert, there ain't no police that's coming to save you. And that, yeah. well, that's one thing residents kept telling us while we were filming. They said, "Hey, are you armed?" And we were like, "No, we're not armed." They would be like, "Well, if you call the cops, they're three hours away. No one's coming to save you out here. And people get, you know, we're getting killed." So it started there, Bryce. And then it was just shocking. I mean, the stuff that we we're finding, the water theft. We were interviewing residents that had Honduran teens stealing water from them and then we just started really going deep into the investigation we produced a documentary had it everything out by october um and it just shocked people i mean i think no people didn't realize of how close the cartel threat was especially here in southern california it's an issue that we already know known about and in northern california it's been there for for decades but this one here in socal people didn't know so as of right now la county sitting over 500 illegal groves most of those are where i live in antelope valley the county next door san bernardino is having a massive issue there i think right now near 2,000 illegal groves and we got to tell stories on both sides so we went to san bernardino we went to our side um, in LA County and it's not just Mexicans now it was the Armenians getting involved Chinese nationals so some, some of the Chinese mafias getting involved um, a lot of these properties they're buying are legally being bought so what they'll do is they'll approach as a real estate owner or they'll just go directly to the property owner and say hey this property yeah you know on the market's going for 350k we'll give you 750k cash we need you out by the first and people are taking it real estate agents are making a bank because these guys are buying properties um in acton they're doing indoor growth so they'll buy the property they'll uh black out all the windows they'll gut the whole inside of the property they'll do the full grow inside uh the property they'll have men guarding it um and it has developed into this massive amount of illegal marijuana black market business and People, when they hear illegal marijuana, they think it's Cheech and Chong. If this no. was Cheech and Chong and people growing pot, this wouldn't even be a story. Yeah, It's the ma the amount of massive amount of water theft that is a huge issue. So every day right now with these illegal grows, California is losing millions of, of gallons of water. I mean, millions. I, we have estimates between 3 million to 9 million per day from northern to SoCal. Out there in Antelope Valley, alfalfa farmers are going out of business. Farms are being destroyed. And these guys, I mean, we're in a massive drought right now. These guys are using up everything through water theft, illegal grows. And it's a huge, huge problem that is yeah, going and, and massively underreported. And at the same time, you know, so so that that's happening. You know, they're not letting us water our lawns. There you go. You know, that's, I, what, that's I, what we're trying to make this issue a bigger deal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's silly, and I'm I'm working to get a guy who uh, is a works for a water not for profit um, that uh, that analyzes all of the issues that they're doing to us here in California oh, regarding man. water, and that's one of those issues. Is that you know, yeah, I mean, that water theft. I mean, that that's a massive amount. So I mean, it's it's destroying. Us. I'm telling you right now, Bryce. If you and me hopped in a car right now and we drove two and a half hour, two hours out there to the high desert, 
it's a completely different world. Massive illegal grows. Yeah. You'll start to notice the water trucks every hour on the minute just hauling wow. water to these properties. I mean, we're we're almost in uh I mean, it's getting warmer now, but we're we're about to hit that grow season in a couple months and it's going to just be ramped up again. Yeah, well, I think people, you know, people with with the cartel issue, you know, and and we're getting the word out and you're getting the word out, but people do not uh did not believe that they were here. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, "Hey, yeah, it's a border issue, you know." Well, we just had that story um, it was like a week ago with that family that got execution style killed. Six of them. That was a cartel murder up in Northern California. Talk about that one. And those same, uh, yeah, a lot of people might not be aware of what yeah, that so, was. Yeah. So we just had it. It was literally a week ago, two weeks ago now. There was a family of six that the sheriffs found all dead and they found them uh, execution style murdered. Yeah. And they found that it was, it was related to a cartel issue. And the same... You know, criminal groups are involved in this illegal marijuana operation. A lot of their workers are smuggled in. These are migrants, yep. and a lot of them are being forced uh, hu- to work trafficking. on the grows. Human yeah. traffic, and then they're being labor trafficked by f- forcing to work on these grows. I was actually just uh, six months ago, we were in Shasta County. We interviewed a firefighter in Shasta that actually discovered three migrants almost burned to death under an illegal grow. And when the when the firefighter found him and said, why didn't you guys try to escape? Like, why did you guys stay here? They said, well, the leader of this, of this grow operation is going to kill us if we walked away. We'd rather just burn to death than have this guy just murder us and our family. And the guy was like, how'd you even get involved in here? And the guy was like, we were in Southern California. We we were at a Home Depot. We get picked up and we think that we're going to go to a you know construction site. Later, you know, you know, 12 hours later, we're in the mountains of Northern, like in Northern California. We, we don't know anywhere we are. We're in a rural county. Yeah. And we're, we're basically being told that we have to grow this, this, this pot. And people just think that because it's weed, it's not a big deal. And I'm not even saying this as a guy, like this is not an anti-weed doc or an anti-weed coverage. It's just related to the criminal element of what illegal marijuana is bringing the human suffering the water theft the violence i mean the amount of bodies that are being shot and killed and the environmental issue which is these guys are using dangerous pesticides coming from tijuana and you know deeper sides of mexico that are illegal in the united states that are just destroying our environment i mean this is where you think the leftists would come out and be like (laughs) care about the environmental damage well well, yeah let me add another dimension to that because what people i think don't understand is so um you know if you are pro pot, which I am not, um, you know, again, that's where my libertarianness sometimes comes in. If you want to do something like that, fine. Um, it's not my thing. I, I don't endorse it. I think it's destructive. Um, but, uh, you know, fine. You need to look at this issue more broadly here in California. California is so screwed up when it comes to anything and everything that they do, that they have created the conditions to make the black market thrive here and and so more and more people are buying via black market um, pot because the um, legitimate outfits here in california have so many hoops to go through there's four governing bodies that they need to to deal with um you know the unlike other states where they have streamlined the process and all that stuff we have actually encouraged black market grows here and we've encouraged and fanned the flames of the black market so we've been feeding the cartels opportunity based on how california handles its business laws so that's one more reason to leave california (laughs) and 80 percent of the marijuana coming out of california right now is black market so whether you're pro cannabis or not the state of california is not seeing that tax revenue at all yeah um no because california cannot do anything right they can't do anything exactly including terror destructive things like that <laughs> and, and this one was i mean in my perspective from our reporting i was disappointed when the recall election happened and then from the right you just never had anyone attack the marijuana grows the water theft issue was kind of just going underreported. gavin newsom this is an issue that he doesn't want to address because he's getting ready for a presidential run this will leave a back mark but the legal weed business in california is set to fail um i interviewed legal weed owners that they're getting taxed very heavily they pay their workers actually livable wages, not like the cartel guys who don't have to pay their workers or anything. They just can't compete. Yeah. Um, P- what is it? Plomo y plata. That's yeah, what you yeah. Get. So this this business silver, is set to silver fail. or lead. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did actually. The business is set to fail, uh, but it's being touted as a victory. I actually was wa- uh, invited to Washington D.C. late 2021 to give a speech about all of our reportings and talk to other governors and, and congressmen. And an, an issue that they don't recognize is they think that this is just a Californian issue, and it is not. No. 
Um, Oklahoma right now, according to my sources, it's already been reported. Oklahoma is having an issue with Chinese illegal grow operations. Southern Oregon has been taken over by Mexican nationals yeah. when it comes to illegal marijuana operations. So you, this is branching out to other states. When you have open borders. Exactly. The state of Tennessee is thinking about legalizing marijuana. Um, if they do, I believe you're going to have this influx of, of cartel guys go to Tennessee, start up there. Um, so it's a massive issue that's going way underreported and, and and a lot of people shrug their shoulders because it's weed and when i have reported on this i have I, people yeah. somebody some guys will go, go like hey Jorge, who cares about this can you like report on fentanyl and these other issues it's like well i do that but this issue is is a huge criminal element it's all connected to that it's, it's all that, connected. that it's all connected and it has to be at least brought out um and only a few yeah. politicians are doing it. So yeah. Mike Garcia is doing a good job here in California. We got Tom Lackey who's doing a good job. A lot of good folks up in Northern California. When we put out the film um, late last year, in the no early last year, I got uh, some law enforcement guys calling me from Northern California. And they were like, Jorge, we saw your documentary. Fantastic. Um, they're like, you got to come up to Siskiyou County. And I'm like, why? And he goes, because in your documentary, you say how L.A. County has over 500 grows. San Bernardino right now, I think, is near 2,000 illegal grows. He says, in Siskiyou, a conservative estimate is like, we got between 5,000 to 8,000 wow. illegal grow operations. So last year, we, me and my producer, we, we go up there and we just start, our mind was blown. And people forget, it's like a lot of these rural counties that are being taken over by the cartel, it's it's all being done by strategy, but it's it's on their end, it's a brilliant strategy because not only are they taking over rural counties, starting up these massive illegal grows, but these rural counties, if you even call law enforcement, they only got like two sheriffs, three sheriffs on payroll that don't want to deal with cartel and high firearm. Yeah. The other issue is the law. So like, Bryce, if you and I are right now having illegal marijuana grow, so let's say you and I had... 10,000 plants in the Andalo Valley right now. You and me are running it. We, you know, If we get raided by LA County, you and I will only get hit with a misdemeanor. We would get hit with like a $500 misdemeanor ticket, no felony charges. If they don't find evidence of human trafficking, weapons, or water theft, we're good to go. Um, so why, why would you and I not do it again? You know, so yeah. if we're yielding hundreds of thousands of dollars, why would we not keep doing this issue? So um, it's kind of a joke, but that's the state of California yeah, sp right now. Speaking of that, the police issue, um, you know, one of my uh, friends and business associates, former uh, chief of police for Kern County. Um, oh, Kern County has a right. massive issue with this. And, uh, you know, he, he would be out in the middle of nowhere, you know, 45 minutes to an hour away, nobody's getting to him. And uh, because that, that small department, those guys would, you know, would be out there alone, you know, frequently. Uh, again, in the middle of nowhere, no one is getting to you. So to think that this is an issue that law enforcement can handle. No. Uh, with You know, no, it, it just it just doesn't work. That's why it goes on. And then those city council, um, you know, those supervisors, the, you know, the people in those areas for them to stand up and battle it, you know, directly or politically or go after it or all that stuff, man, you know, they got the cartels in their neighborhoods essentially and the, the and being threatened and having their, you know, li their family uh, in danger if they, you know, raise too much of a stink. I mean, that's a real thing for them. So in Northern California, we had an interview scheduled with a board of supervisor. I'm not going to obviously say the county. Yeah. Back out of the interview because they were threatened by a cartel member in, yeah. in a restaurant in public because they found out that they were going to interview with us. Yeah. The second county board of supervisor doesn't interview with us, but um, won't go on camera, won't even agree, like just would only give us information because they're, they've been threatened. Their counter, yeah. their significant other has been threatened. The other issue also, Bryce, is for the politician standpoint, and this is actually got this from residents out there in rural counties, which is a great point, was for them, it's like, well, why even deal with the issue? Because it only deals with the rural counties. Might as well just deal with the city folks and everything else and not even have to deal with the legal marijuana grows because they're not going to get that much votes off it. They're not going to get that much money raised. So for them, it's like, whatever. That's why when Congressman Garcia ran last year, those folks in those rural, rural areas looked at that like life or death. If Mike Garcia doesn't win that race, um, they feel like, the other the other politician would not fight that issue at all. Um, that's how important it is. But like I said, this is one of those issues that's going very underreported. It's a heartbreaking issue. Like if you actually guys look at the documentary you hear from the residents, um, it's very, very sad because the majority of these residents are already retired, 
really great people. Like they love their country. The reason that why they even live out there in rural deserts because they like to shoot their guns. They like to ride their yeah. horses. They want to be away from the city madness. Yeah, good people. You're having these people who have already retired have to basically sell their homes, do the move, have to then continue to work to afford the new move, and the most likely buyer of that property is going to be a guy connected to illegal gross because they want that property because they need they need those residents out to continue to facilitate this because they want as for them they, it's worth it to buy a property and not even use it as long as you don't have yeah. eyes there and that's a tactic that we got to see all over the the antelope valley they got some money that's the that's Cash the amazing everything thing around me. yeah no i mean uh, uh, yeah the cartels are super sophisticated super wealthy um you know uh, good business but people. how crazy it is bryce just two hours away from you and i right now we're in that zone and yeah. it's it's you know I, I think for americans that's hard to fathom but it's it's real especially for maybe people in thousand oaks you know you call the cops or they're in 10 minutes it's not like that nope. out there no nope. <laughs> it, no it's not i mean you know we're we're, we're wonderfully blessed here too in yeah. our you know in our county um specifically because we've got an excellent show Sheriff's Department. Not that these other places uh, don't, um, but you know we we uh, we are blessed, and people I don't think realize, yep. um, which is why I think here locally we you know we lost some races that we should have won because it's not bad enough yet, you know, because they're is. still they're still doing the work here, and they and we still have such a good solid uh, law enforcement community. But at some point, man, it gets bad enough. I think people are going to start to realize. Yeah, up, up in Northern California, it's it's really real sad because they got. I mean, they got towns with like two thousand people yeah. that have like as much or more illegal grow operations in their town than like people, and they do not have the law enforcement, the money. I was actually in this little town called Doris, and the legal growers like go up to the water, um, either lines or like a fire hydrant, whatever, and steal the water in the middle of the night. And yeah, to, what, what are you gonna do? You, you can't and, do anything. And the thing is, the city doesn't have the money to put locks on their on their fire hydrants because each lock costs a hundred bucks, and they got like ten thousand of them, so it costs a hundred thousand. So they're like, we we're just screwed. Like these guys are basically gonna have their way. <laughs> it's, wow, it's incredible uh, what's happening it's in the uh, United States. But it's one of those that have have gone underreported. It's one where the media in California will not ask Governor Gavin Newsom not even one question about it. I have no idea why. Um, and it, it hurts whether you're pro cannabis or not. Like even from Gavin Newsom's standpoint, he's not seeing the tax revenue, so it it hurts Sacramento. Yeah, there, you're, um, the amount of water theft. I mean, it hurts the whole the whole state. Uh, I mean, we're basically like being dependent on other states, and it happened. It hasn't happened in SoCal yet to the point in NorCal. So like, if you're in Northern California right now and you're a rancher or a farmer, you are very limited on the water you could use. And I know it's happening here in Southern California. Some communities are being limited, but it's not to the point. It is in Northern California. We stayed at an Airbnb during our reporting, and like on the Airbnb, it says like, "Can you please like if you take a hot shower, like limit it to like a fifteen minute hot shower?" Because like that's all we could do. So it's like, it's being very regulated up there. We haven't got hit so far. It's too bad in Southern California, but it's coming. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, we weren't able to water our lawns. So there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're like literally, killing. man, you should see. You know, my neighborhood. The uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's it's terrific. Not mine because I am a rebel. I watered my lawn. I defied the government. I calculated that by the time I would get my third strike, you know. But I paid I paid fines and all that stuff to keep my lawn going. I mean, my my choice was uh, you know ten thousand dollar replacement of my lawn or something oh, like no. that. You know, he watered it. Uh, yeah. So you know, I paid seven hundred. I paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in fines. And, <laughs> That's epic. Yeah, That's epic. yeah. I mean, I just did the calculation. But what's interesting is they said after the um, you know fourth time or fifth time they were going to turn my water off so that I would have no water to my home. You know, that's the people that we're dealing with. They failed to do the infrastructure. They failed to, you know, you know buy the water. That, they failed to control things, is, and then I'm going to suffer. Is you have to suffer over your lawn, but like. Uh, Kim Kardashian could use 250,000 gallons of water like a day for her property, but yeah, no yeah. one's going to stop her, right? Yeah, no, like, have to true. stop the little guy. So thank you for joining us for part two of our Jorge Ventura interview. We actually have a part three. And if you would like to access that bonus content where we get into some of the questions he has about um, life and being a man, and I think he interviews me instead of me interviewing him for a, a lot of that. But we get into some awesome discussion. And if you'd like to go to BryceEddy.com to access that off of our Patreon, I would appreciate it. Enjoy.